From Innovation Alley at Marquette University, I'm Chuck Swoboda, and this is Innovators on Tap, a show based on the idea that innovation is about leadership. It's a mindset to find a better way, and ultimately, it's about people. These conversations are designed to allow you to open your mind to new ideas and find ways to put those concepts to work. Together, we can solve big problems and maybe even change the world. This season of Innovators on Tap is sponsored by Husco International, a fast-growing, community-oriented company specializing in high-performance hydraulic and electromechanical components. With over 70 years of experience designing and manufacturing these components, Husco takes pride in collaborating with customers to develop innovative solutions. Husco has U.S. locations in Wisconsin and Iowa and global locations in England, Germany, China, and India. A privately owned company that offers more than just a job, a career at Husco is an entrepreneurial experience full of incredible opportunities for growth, creativity, and innovation. Go to husco.com to begin your next adventure and put the lessons you've learned from the podcast to work. Today's guest is Dr. Sherry Zhang, a molecular biologist by training and the founder and CEO of Genopalette a startup that analyzes your genetics to create a customized nutritional plan for your unique genetic makeup. Sherry not only has entrepreneurship in her DNA, but she's also gained a lot from her experience, starting with growing up in China and then coming to Milwaukee in 2001, then helping create two other startups before Genopalette, and most recently, educating future generations as a professor at the Medical College of Wisconsin. But what Sherry has identified as the most important trait is passion. She said, the people who come through our door are all smart. What can be missing for certain talent is that passion. And it is Sherry's mix of talent and passion that is allowing Gino Palette to grow. In our conversation, we touch on warrior versus worrying genes, why you shouldn't focus too much on your competition, and how startups create an environment that pushes you to dream bigger. That's what's on tap today. Enjoy. Well, Sherry, welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Innovators on Tap. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you grew up in China, and then you came to the U.S. in 2001. So why did you decide to come to the States? Uh, the reason was pretty simple. I was pretty much devoted, even at that age, um, to studying uh, you know, biology. Um, I, I love biology. I love life sciences. It's just so, so much we need to know. And you know, my uh, bias on there is if we know better, a lot of problems that we're facing can be solved. <laughs> So, um, so that's kind of the drive. And then when I was in college, I went to Nankai University in my hometown, which happened to have one of the top 10 biology programs. When I got my um, bachelor's degree in microbiology from Nankai, or even before that, I started to look out for good programs all over the world, you know, from China to UK to Germany to the United States. And turn out lots of the good programs that I uh, was very interested in are all here. So 
I know you come to Milwaukee and get your advanced degree at Marquette. And then before you started Gino Palette, I know you actually started a couple of other businesses. What were those businesses? So I had the opportunity to um, go back to help actually uh, Chinese government to start a brand new academic institution. And it was really fascinating growing time. And then I learned a lot and met you know, lots of wonderful people. And um, I started a company, which is a very different business models and technology. Um, you know, Asian markets were heavy on uh, using application mobile apps. So that's my first startup. And then uh, during that time, I also got involved uh, with one of China's first uh, pharmacogenomics, where we take uh, cancer patients' DNA, analyze it, and provide them personalized cancer treatment. So I know that you've spent you know, a lot of time in genomics, and I want to go into what GenoPalette is, because I'm not sure everyone really understands what's capable in the science. And you mentioned working on a company that was using your DNA to basically to think about what cancer treatment might be best for one patient versus a different patient. And I recently took uh, the GenoPalette test and found out what foods based on my genome are better for me and others. And, and honestly, I also was then motivated that um, I went and had a separate DNA test done so that I could find out how my body reacts to certain types of medicine. And so I've had this chance over the last year to start to see this myself, but I don't think most people understand how powerful this tool is. So tell us maybe a little bit more for the audience. What does GenoPallet do? What does the customer get by doing this? GenoPallet is a new way of helping people make food choices. So between you and me, of the 3.2 billion letters uh, book, um, you and I probably differ about three to five million of those letters. And those are naturally happened right, in the 2.5 million years of our genomic evolution. So when people get there, uh, we have this digital report uh, delivered through our mobile apps and web app. Um, so it's a completely uh, a digital experience where we present our reading of based on your nutritional genomics pattern. We also recently incorporated other data streams such as your you know demographics that always collect lifestyle preferences. So um, you know as I said earlier, we want to equip everybody with um, scientific insights based on genomics, based on medicine based on nutritional sciences and keep driving their success in approaching healthy eating. So what I found is when I got the information, I was like super interested, right? Like, oh, this is cool. So in a lot of cases, I'm kind of in the middle, but there's a few areas where my genomics said, hey, you should eat more of this or eat less of this for it. And it explains it in the report. But then I find myself, I have this knowledge, but I have these habits from the first 53 years of my life. Have you come up with ideas how we might use this information 
but somehow connect it with motivation, right? It's like, I know I should exercise every day, but I always don't. Is there, have you come up with any ideas how we drive more human behavioral change out of this? It's a great uh, observation and a question. So that's what we're trying to do uh, every day. And there's something fundamental about, and that also drives me from the GenoPilot is we don't have this necessarily connection between my body and my food environment, right, efficiently. And then I think GenoPilot is trying to deliver that. That connection, I think, make it a very sticky bond between you and the information and your choices. So I think there's a, and then there's a study around. So people with or without your nutrigenomics information, and this, you can apply this to pharmacogenomics, choosing drugs and other things too. It's actually a more effective way of situate a person uh, starting to influence or impact that behavior around that, you know, specific discipline. So we have also observed and we're doing, by the way, we'll have a research initiative just launched recently. So we're very actively collecting data, analyze data, observe the pattern so that we could have some new knowledge to provide to the world soon that uh, showing, you know, knowing your nutrigenomics provided by GenoPilot, you actually feel that effortless to lose weight effortless to choose a healthy food. And, and that's happening. So look, Sherry, you have had this incredible career so far. You know, you've, you've had two startups and now you have Gino Palette, which has really gotten great recognition and, and just continues to do some amazing things. And I was thinking, what is it that makes you uniquely successful? And I pulled up some interesting data from my time when you know, I used to spend about half of my time in China when I was running Cree. So we had a huge operation there. And we looked up the data and it says that in China, more than 50% of tech startups are started by women. But in the US, this number is only 25%. So it suggests to me that there is a cultural difference. And I think I saw this when I was doing business in China, but I'm curious, do you think women culturally are is easier to have more of a leadership role in business in China than in the US or do you see something different I think it could be something due to probably two things I can think of one is the the way the China cultural structure we actually have believe it or not we have a especially my generation and above a um, have this female, very respected female domination inside the family and inside the community. And that, that can be part of it. Second one is I do know when I was there, there is a similar to what we're doing here. There's a lot of policies, incentives, programs really help, you know, minorities, not only women. As you know, Chinese you know, ethnical backgrounds, it's pretty homogeneous, right, relatively. But I think they're trying to get older people into the system, get students into the system. So I think that uh, is probably some of the reasons. You have a really great quote where you said, stay informed on your competition, but focus 
on what defines you in the first place. And I think it's interesting. So many companies get super focused on their competitor and you've kind of said, Hey, don't, don't, don't get too stuck on that one. So what's the risk of being too focused on your competition? I think the true, pure creativity came from no limitations, no uh, prior knowledge. And not to say those can not be useful, you use them later. You need to really start from a blank piece of paper, draw your dream to be innovative. You need to kind of watch out what other people are doing in your space. At the same time, if you trying to look too much, you will spend a lot of time doing that, first of all. And then you're going to be bogged down into a rabbit hole of you know, analyze, compare, probably copy, right? Fight. Or I, I think it's just not who we are. It's going to slow Gino Palette down. So along this idea of starting up businesses, you've said that... Uh, Creating a startup is addicting and that once you've launched one, whether it's successful or a failure, it doesn't matter. You fall in love with it and that the people who are drawn to this experience have the genes for it in the first place. So as you know, uh, an expert in genomics, do you think people are born with the entrepreneur gene or do you think someone can learn it if they grow up in the right environment? It's always uh, nurture and nature. <laughs> play right um you know there's a warrior so you worry about all the time you're very considerate that kind of it both can be leaders and the other one is a warriors you know you're fighting i happen to have both <laughs> and i think that's a blessing you know i don't like just too aggressively kill myself or get my team killed but also at the same time i'm i think i have that risk-taking genotype and to your question, yeah, I mean, with that kind of knowledge, whether that really affects all of our decisions or behaviors, I, I probably not. But I think having there's really there's types of people they are they they have this I wouldn't say they're born with it, but it's like you have this itch. If you don't do that, you can't afford it, right? You can't afford not doing that. Once in a while, you learn a one statement from a person in your life. Um, and what I learned from that person on that side is he said that uh, it's very, very hard to you know burn your ship and start a new one that you control. But once you do, you are the person control your own fate. If you're enjoying this episode and want to learn more about how you can discover the mindset to pursue the impossible, please check out my new book, The Innovator's Spirit, where I explain the beliefs that lead to the behaviors that make innovation possible. It is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Now, let's get back to the show. So with that, I'm going to switch gears and we're going to go into a series of some questions that really get into, you know, kind of your mindset and how you think about certain aspects of innovation and entrepreneurship. And so to start with, do you think your success has come more from avoiding failure 
or embracing failure? I'm not afraid of failure, but I do my best to uh, gear, especially if just myself. Uh, four years ago, it's so much easier. I can daredevil into that. But now I have 20 growing on 30 people's life dream to care about. I feel I'm more cautious every day. Um, because of that, I try to gear my team away from threat. But at the same time, we are very brave in testing new idea, out of box ideas, or even you know can be crazy ideas. But we feel there's a you know anecdotal you know gut feeling about something right in there. We'll test it and let the market or let the reality tell us or let data tell us it's right or wrong. You need to be curious. When you are curious, you you are on a very pure path to truth and and keep learning the truth failure success i think it's a it's a secondary but you will know your truth no matter what right even probably you know the truth right on when you fail but you'll remember that better so and then keep doing keep learning and one day you'll be successful so if you're going to pursue something really innovative and you're building a team of people that you're going to really want to push these limits, search for this new knowledge and information, what's more important to the success of the team? The brutal truth and telling people exactly like it is or creating an environment of psychological safety where everyone feels okay? Hmm. Um. I think providing an intellectual, emotional, safe place is, is the CEO's job, meaning you cannot have um, a bully, if you may, in the room, cannot be, you know, bully means in the intellectual world is completely close-minded, anti-creative, putting politics in the creativity process, you know, all those are happening right in different places but uh you my job is to create this playground that we when we get in we're children in a way you're protected you can think whatever you however you want and then we you know doesn't mean we're going to use the idea but eventually we'll we'll get the best one at the same time i hope i give you the picture but inside of the playground safe environment you can be anything and we're not afraid of, you know, burning boxes or talking very directly to, no, this is a crazy idea. I can demonstrate you are wrong. People demonstrate me. I don't want to say stupid, but wrong all the time. And I love it. I'm like, if every day, if I feel more than 50% of the time, I'm the smartest person in the room, I feel really bad. That means that I'm learning less. Right. If people can, you know, respectively demonstrate that I have this, um, my idea is not a bad or I'm stupid, you know, on the subject, I feel so good because I know I'm learning or at least my team is learning. So I'm trying very hard, but you're right on. It's very important for a technology company or innovation company or big company want to have an innovation truly to create that environment so people can feel free. When you're evaluating talent, 
to hire for your team. Is there one thing that you think is most important to someone's success on your team, one characteristic or quality about them? I think it will be passion. Because a lot of other things, I mean, people even come through our door are also hard. The, what can be missing for certain talent is that passion. And I do believe everybody can have passion for something. But it's important to recognize, does that person have all the qualifications you want for the job, has that passion? Another CEO friend of mine who I think is on his fifth company has told me that the only thing he doesn't know how to teach someone is passion. So if he gets passion, he figures he can solve all the other problems. But if there's no passion, it just won't work, at least not in a startup environment. And I think that uh, there really is something there. And if I look back, those are the people that were most successful when we were building Cree is because some days... <laughs> All you have is passion when everything's going wrong. So if you're sitting there and you have two candidates, one of them is incredibly skilled in the science. Like they have this incredible skill that you want on your team, but maybe they don't meet some of your other kind of personality or mindset traits. And you have another candidate that's really has the mindset you want, but they're not nearly as qualified technically. Which one do you usually pick? A tough one. Well, it depends on how what exactly is missing for both, right? So I would say if they are marginally similar or, you know, well, I guess put another way, if the second candidate show me he or she is a keen learner and open-minded, take on, you know, challenges and lessons and not afraid to learn, and and with you know uh, good critical thinking, smart, hardworking, all these qualifications, I would take the second if that person has more passion. Is your personal decision bias to limit the downside or maximize the upside? Yeah, it it evolves. In the beginning of GenoPilot, so GenoPilot is about four years old. Um, in the even the second year to third year, I would say I'm more um, for the latter. You know, it's you're building so much new and different. It, it, and then we started very modest team and capital, everything is pretty efficient. It's really easy for me to pivot and change and so on. So if we fail massively, that's okay. That's just that much we can change. But now I want to take my organization, building it into a great lasting company. That's every day I'm talking to myself like that, right? So in order to do that, as I kind of alluded a little bit, I care about the whole health strength and gear away from the, uh, the threat or fire for my whole team. And then I, I feel more balancing now than before. But still, I mean, as an innovation company, to be calculated risk takers. So early on when Cree was a small 30-person company, we took huge risks all the time. And that's how we built the company. And we actually tried to keep that attitude up through a billion dollars in revenue. Now, somewhere probably about 500 million to a billion, it started to change a little bit. But what's interesting is 
as it changed, we became less innovative. That there is a trade-off. And so it's people ask me what would I do differently? And I think what I would have done is it I might not have been able to stay the CEO as long because the investors wanted predictable results. But if I could do it again, I would have actually kept taking more big risks because the big risk is what made the company, right? And once we started managing them, we were more predictable, but the big things stopped happening. And so, you know, I think it's tough for any business where it's added in its life and uh, what you have, what is that balance and what you need to do. So Sherry, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. What you're doing is so impressive. I'm so excited for what your company is doing. As a customer, I'm glad I know more about my uh, what I should be eating. And hopefully today after talking to you, I'm a little more motivated about following that advice. But thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thanks to Sherry for joining me on Innovators on Tap and sharing her unique insights and perspectives as a scientist, professor, and entrepreneur, including her suggestion that we forget about the old box and rebuild it. Creativity comes from no limitations and no prior knowledge. You use those later. Start with a blank piece of paper and draw your dream. We want to thank all of you who have embraced this show and helped us grow our audience so far, including our sponsor, Husco International. While we are proud of our success, we're really just getting started, and I hope that you'll tell your friends about the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you would take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Please note that we have additional resources available on our website at innovatorsontap.com, including transcripts, articles, and an option to sign up for the Innovation Alley newsletter. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and let's go change the world.